Welcome back to We'd Like to Talk with your two favorite hosts, Hal and Jamal. We're back and we're excited to be here once again with a fresh new pod uh, and fresh new things to say, fresh new flavor. Always. We always have a lot to say. We do. And it's been a while since the two of us have just, you know, sat here and talked our little faces off at each other. So what's up? How you been? good busy (laughs) you know i'm trying to stay active trying to shake it up my routine a little bit not do same thing day in and day out but you know it's a pandemic and she's she's wearing on me yeah you know we're all living through pandora right now and it has been wearing on me as well i feel like it's been groundhog's day repeating for the last year i haven't left this room very much and when I do, I just head out to the couch. And now that I have a broken foot, I know you, you've heard me complain about this, but um, the broken foot was supposed to be like a six week thing. And we're going on week 10 now of um, immobility. And so I've definitely started to go a little bit cuckoo, but it's getting better. So the end is in sight, hopefully. How much longer do you have in the in the boot? I'm actually no longer in the boot, but um, I still have to be very careful. The last time I saw the doctor, she said that my bone that is still fractured is a very serious bone to fracture. And if I'm not careful, I will need surgery. And um, so that's daunting. And (laughs) I'm walking now normal, but um, I can't put too much weight on it. Anyways, don't need to go into it too much. But long story short, I don't know how long I will be like this. Oh, so. man, that's hard. But we chillin'. Yeah. Good. <laughs> Spirits are high today. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, today we are talking about something that is very important to both of us and that we've talked about a lot personally, but something that we haven't been able, uh, not able to, but we just haven't had as much time as both of us, I think, would like to devote to. And that is the topic of diversity, inclusion, and social equity in cannabis. Yes, totally. And we, yeah, we've definitely touched on it a little bit in previous podcasts, but that's it. We've just touched on it. And today we, we're going to dive a little deeper into it. Yeah. So, you know, one of the core values at Blackbird and one of the reasons that I uh, continue to really love working here is that we believe that cannabis should be legal and we also believe that the people who were part of the cannabis industry historically they deserve a place and not only deserve but like it's all of our responsibility to work actively to include them in the cannabis industry and so um that for us has had many different kind of uh it's it's happened in different ways but the one that we're talking about today is our work with uh the last prisoner project Yes. And it's been a couple of months now since we got involved with the last prisoner project. Well, probably like, you know, time is an illusion these days, but (laughs) six months, who knows? But um, (laughs) We've been following along what they've been doing long before that. And they're, they're an organization that um, is putting action to the streets, if you will, in the beliefs that Blackbird shares. And it's been really awesome to work with them. And Yeah, why don't you tell us, why don't you give us the quick synopsis of what Last Prisoner Project is? Yeah, so the Last Prisoner Project is an organization, a nonprofit that works to provide resources to people who are incarcerated 
uh, for cannabis-related crimes, for nonviolent cannabis crimes. And so there are still approximately 44,000 people in the United States who are incarcerated for cannabis. And those are offenses that are, you know, trafficking charges, things that uh, the cannabis industry is now built on. And uh, the Last Prisoner Project works to provide those people with advocacy at several different levels. Uh, the main focuses are at a state level, working to review um, the laws around uh, cannabis legislation as it comes to pass, as well as retroactively working with states that have already passed cannabis laws. And then they also work with providing services and direct resources to people uh, who are who have been incarcerated or who are going through the process of getting their lives back. And they really help them um, find those networks where they can tap into and work both within the cannabis industry as well as outside of it. Totally. I think that's part of the, the coolest part. Well, actually, I don't want to say that. I don't want to hire hierarch wow i don't want to put hierarchy on what they do because every piece of what they do over there is so impressive but i think that a piece that isn't touched on often is what happens once people are released and especially people in this field like coming out of prison for a cannabis offense and then not being legally allowed to work in the cannabis industry is so bass backwards if you don't mind me saying and um I think the fact that the Last Prisoner Project has resources and professionals and people that are there to help you from s- stepping out of prison into getting a job is so powerful and awesome. And I hope that their work continues to trickle out to to everywhere and not just cannabis offenses, but I think it's really, really cool. Definitely. And something that I've learned through my work in social equity and, and cannabis is that um, there's so many layers to the conversation of uh, uh, cannabis arrests and can- incarceration for cannabis. And something that I get a little frustrated about is that there's not enough awareness at like within communities. You know, there's not a lot of people in our own community who are aware of the work around um, social equity. So then the yeah. public perception is is that there's nobody in cannabis who are working toward a goal of of getting people out of jail and giving people jobs. And then there's often more of a focus on the companies, um, on the people who are working in it. And so that becomes frustrating when there are people who are very devoted um, and to remove myself from it, just in general, advocates who have been pushing for cannabis legalization for years, who are now working with major corporations in order to move things forward, like um, Steve D'Angelo from Harborside, people who are working these deep and long um, commitments to the community to then say like, oh, nothing's happening. And for the people who are still in prison, there's a lot happening. It's just, it takes the focus of really everyone and knowing your local legislation, knowing the things that your local community faces. I can say Northern Nevada has a huge issue with reentry in, in outside of just cannabis for so many people who are in the prison system and who are getting their, you know, chance at creating a life there's so many issues in nevada because of a lack of resources and so when we add cannabis as a layer onto it there's just so many more hoops and i think that the last prisoner project does a really amazing job of making the subject very approachable for people from all levels of of kind of understanding what's going on and people who have all levels of of you know resources to give and to share and so it's been really cool to be able to work with them because of that 
Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's a relevant topic for us to be talking about right now, especially in February, the month, the Black History Month, because the number of Black people that are incarcerated for drug possession charges is astronomically more than anyone else. I think the statistic that I saw last on Last Prisoner Project was 74 or 75% of Americans that are incarcerated for drug possessions are Black. That's crazy. And it's, I mean, it's not new information for a lot of people that are paying attention to this stuff, but it's really, it's just really sad. And, um, you know, I think anyone that's interested in learning more about some of these stats, go to Last Prisoner Project's website. They have a whole page on their site that just shares quick tidbit facts about what's happening in the prison system. And it's really, really eye-opening. Definitely. And I think that, you know, there's so many um, different conversations that are that are being had at several levels. Like I was saying, you, there's the state level conversation of what happens when we do legalize or if a state legalizes, what happens to all the people still serving in prison and then there's a whole other layer which is social equity and having a social equity component for within licensing because while 75 percent of people who are incarcerated are black americans less than four percent of the entire cannabis industry is black owned mm -hmm. and so it's really difficult you know i i have struggled in about creating content for black history month because it is important to acknowledge but we don't have the resources because of the structure of like what's happening to do the work or to hire the work that we want and that we yeah. are in, are are excited by and at the same time those partnerships still happen because of the ability to like network and to collaborate and i think that that is really important in an industry like cannabis but in our lives in general where are the um the outlets that you can share and that you can you know bring people in without having to um derive a value from it that's what becomes really hard working in a business when you want to really focus on civic engagement and encourage people to be active participants in these conversations but you also are a business you're part of something that has to be profitable it has to be driven by those things and so blackbird has done um a you know i think a, a really great job of being very values driven and that also makes it hard because i think like it's very easy for us to make content around our experiences with social equity and things but that's not the only black experience in cannabis and so right. we um are looking for stories of black success and black joy and we want to provide a, an outlet for people to share their stories and so if you are a black professional working in cannabis or just a black person looking to share your stories of joy and success uh, please feel free to send us a voice message. We're going to create an episode called We'd Like to Listen. Our goal is to not speak on that episode at all and just have a collection of really great stories um, to share in honor of Black History Month and to tell the stories that, uh, doesn't, that don't often get heard. And that's why we wanted to take this episode to talk about the things that white people should be talking about. And that's the fact that there are too many people of color. There are too many black and brown people who are serving jail time and whose lives have been destroyed um, for the exact same things that we're doing today that are making us a living. Yeah, exactly. And and just to, to back up onto what you were saying about the messages we're looking for, um, you can submit those voice messages through our website, our, our podcast website on Anchor FM. 
and we will link that in this podcast. But yeah, you don't have to be a cannabis professional. We want to just use our platform to share other people's experiences that we won't understand that can be fun and exciting. We know that there's more to the experience of a Black person than just this kind of shameful, painful, sad experience. And we want to hear about that. And we also want to bring awareness to all the negativity that's happening and all the unjust things happening in our criminal system. But, you know, we want to use this moment to also celebrate and uplift voices and not just talk about, you know, the harsh things, which I'm just repeating myself now. But yeah. <laughs> please just chat with us if you want. I don't know. Yeah, we'd like to listen. Yeah, we want to shut up. You Can you believe it? The two of us want to shut up. <laughs> For once, yeah. <laughs> For the first time. Oh, my word. Yeah, but time to pass the mic. Let somebody else talk. Yeah. And, you know, it is um, a, something that we're continuously working toward um, it is really having more accurate representation. And it is something that is limited by what the two of us are able to accomplish. And so uh, we are always open to feedback and honest, um, uh, you know, critique of the way that we approach things in general. And um, to us, this was this is the way that we can both share our perspective on on what's happening through some of the work that we've already done, as well as provide an opportunity to to, to pass the mic. Um, so today, the other portion of our episode we have is to share a interview that we did a few months ago with a woman named Evelyn LaChapelle. Evelyn LaChapelle is a uh, badass. One of, as a badass, <laughs> definitely. I believe that. She's on the board. I don't know. I have to double check that. Check this. She's the program associate. Okay. So Evelyn LaChapelle is a program associate of the Last Prisoner Project. And she, uh, through the Last Prisoner Project, has been connected with several other um, organizations. And she has also helped other people get their lives back through um, the Last Prisoner Project's resources and things. And she um is amazing and she works for vertosa now which is an extraction company and they are one of the leading um, technology companies around cannabis extraction and infusion they're responsible for a lot of the big drinks that everybody loves um so much because they they have found the best way to extract you know ingredients that mix well with beverages and it's a very exciting um business and the the i'll let her <laughs> share her perspective on that company but it was really exciting to get to speak with her and such an honor that she shared some time with us and shared about her experience with cannabis and with the the prison system and if you are not familiar with the last prisoner project or evelyn lachapelle please look them up um, on social media and support them and you can also support them through our merch store, the Be Good People, Help Good People shop. Ew. We are still selling these t-shirts. They say not one person should be in prison for cannabis. Um, we also have some hats that are on sale and all the proceeds from those merch sales go to support the Last Prisoner Project. And so um, if you're looking for ways to support, it's a great place to start. Yeah. Otherwise, um, we'll put the link for that store in our in this podcast's bio and on social media for you to quickly and easily find it. But yeah, all all proceeds for those two shirts and the hat that we have on the site go straight to Last Prisoner Project. So 
an easy and fun way to support them and Blackbird. Um, and shout out to myself for making the merch. Just kidding. But um, yeah, just a little plug there. I feel like I feel pretty proud of that merch. So cop it, buy it, shop it, support, you know, the whole thing. Okay, so this conversation that we had with Evelyn was actually recorded on our Instagram. We went live with her back in the summer and it was such a cool conversation that we kept it up on our IGTV. But as any of you that follow us closely know, our Instagram got deleted again. And so we are going to reshare it so that this conversation stays out there and stays present. And if you haven't followed us on our new Instagram account, we would really appreciate that. Rebuilding our audience for the seventh time is taxing. And so our new account is at shop blackbird go and we're trying to rebuild. So yeah, tell your friends, tell your, tell your homies to come and follow us for all the hottest cannabis content there is. Um, everyone enjoy Evelyn LaChapelle. Binsky. Binsk. I don't know what it is. Binsky or Binsk. I think it's Binsky. Is it? I don't know. That's just what my gut says. <laughs> I mean, maybe that's the ad read. Exactly. Binsky? Binsk. Shop Binsk. Binsky. Try Binsk. Hi, Binsk. Biz Binsky. Binsk. Binsky. Binsk. Binsky. I'm reading this right now on <clears throat> shout out MG Retailer. Love your magazine. It's gorgeous. <laughs> anyway, um, something something ADHD. Wow, same. Who <laughs> would have guessed? Um, evolved in a long winding um, route of brotherly wordplay from doobie to Dubinsky to the shortened formed Binsky. So, wow. Okay. We're, you know what? This is an off-the-cuff ad read that's going in just as this because we are learning on the fly, family. Binsky. Yes. We, whoop, short whoop, for doobie. <laughs> short for dubinsky. That's kind of fun. Yeah, I love that. Looking for top-shelf concentrates in the Nevada market? Look no further than Binsky. Do you do Binsky? <laughs> Done. We just created Done. their next tagline. Gorgeous. I would like to introduce Evelyn LaChapelle. Hello. Thank you for having me on. Um, real quickly, I want to add because people are always trying to figure out, well, I'm donating. What is it? You know, we're always skeptical. Like, if, where's my money going? And I can firsthand say that the money is getting put to good use. There's re-entry programs being built right now, um, educational scholarships for people that are coming out of prison. And then also we support heavily the inmates who are currently still in prison. And so if that's putting money on their books or helping with legal services, uh, clemency petitions, trust me, the money is getting put to good use. I've, I've seen it, I've been a recipient of it. So yes, go support. That's amazing. And I, I would love to hear more about it. Um, I saw uh, GTI, a wonderful video about your experience. And I would love to hear it um, from you, kind of how you um, came to be where you are today. Absolutely. I will say that we filmed with GTI uh, here in Oakland, uh, right when COVID was getting a little scary. So it was, I think it was like the end of February and they're, they're flying from 
from Illinois, from Chicago. And I was a little skeptical. And I'm like, it's the beginning of, we can't shake hands. So it's like, hi. <laughs> but the world was still open. And then I think a week later, the world shut down. And so I uh, was super happy to get that done right in time. Um, and so if you haven't watched it, please go watch it. But the very short version of the story is that in 2013, the federal justice system convicted me um, and sentenced me to 87 freaking months in prison. Um, 87 months equals seven years and three months. And believe it or not, that was a break. They were within their guidelines to give me 24 years. Oh my goodness. Right. I was, how old was I? I was 20, 28. I was 28 when they told me 24 years. Um, my daughter was four when they told me 24 years. So I'm like, are you kidding me? She'll be 28 years old. I have a four-year-old and you're telling me that I can't come home until she's 28 um, because I deposited cannabis profits into my bank account for a, a nine-month period in 2009. Um, and so... You had never touched product. You it was it was just that act that twenty four. Oh my goodness! I had never seen it, smelt it, touched it. Uh, not saying that I had not seen, smelt, or touched cannabis in, before, <laughs> but in the scheme of this conspiracy, I had never seen, touched, or even smelt it. Um, it was being shipped to North Carolina, and I allowed for the profits to be deposited into my account, and so I was convicted for a conspiracy to uh, money launder. Um, and conspiracy laws just basically mean if one person can tie you to a conspiracy, you are then held accountable for the entire conspiracy, um, which is what I don't think people get. Um, and so, yeah, that was, that was the gist of it. Um, I spent five years in custody. I was released February the 1st of 2019. Um, got hired at the Omni and then got fired from the Omni after someone Googled my name um, after being on the job for two months. And so that's when I tapped into the uh, cannabis industry. I got linked up with Last Prisoner Project through my co-defendant who is currently serving life at uh, USP um, in Louisiana. Um that's a whole nother story, but because he's got a life sentence, you automatically go to maximum security prison, which is really scary. Um, right. When you don't have, when you haven't lived that life or you don't have those affiliations. And so he's serving life um, in Louisiana, even though he's from California. So he's clear across the country from his people. Um, but he connected me with last prisoner project. And that's really what's got me on the live with you. And, and they've helped me build a platform, help me share my story and just bring awareness to the 40,000 people who are still incarcerated for cannabis. Man, that's, I mean, first of all, I'm so grateful. <laughs> I'm so glad um, that you were able to, to, to be where you are and we're able to have this conversation. Um, something I would, I'd like to hear more about is kind of, that the intricacy you talked about being at the Omni, having that job, um, and then you know having that taken away, even when it's irrelevant to what you're doing, um, and how you know how do we? Because I think that that's where a lot of people miss the point. 
you know, getting people out of the jail, getting records sealed, that's one thing. But like, what about the things we don't control, you know, society and things? I, I will say that emo emotionally, right? Like this is a, a whole different ball game. Like be besides what needs to actively be done versus actively, you know, emotionally dealing with it. And so when I got on at the Omni, I had just been released from custody. My resume um, backstory, you know, I have my college degree, my resume, my experience has been in hospitality, um, catering and sales. And so for me, being released, I had no intention of even touching the cannabis industry. Like, no, thank you. <laughs> um, and so I'm going to go back to life as it was. And I did not think that that would be an issue for me. Um, but I was nervous. And so I'm on the job for like a month and a half. And um, I have another friend who gets released. Um, and so she's like super proud of me. She's like, how's it going? Because I'm going to work every day. I'm, it's, it's, it's if I've not been in prison for the last five years. And I tell her, I said, I don't know. I just have this feeling like at any point someone's going to tap me on my shoulder and tell me I don't belong here. And three weeks later, I called her crying because they literally called me into the office and, um, you know, someone Googled my name. Here's an article with my conviction. Is this you? Please pack up your belongings and leave. Like same day, go get your shit and leave. Excuse my language. Um, <laughs> And, and so that was sort of, for me, a, two things. It was a slap in the face, right? And then it also let me know that the privileges that I thought that I had, you know, resume, education, appearance, all of that, meant nothing with the felon on my record. Um, it The felon automatically made me uh, a criminal. Of, like, whatever, I no longer belonged where I had belonged. And so right. that was definitely like that was a blow to my emotional capacity for sure. <laughs> right, and this this I would imagine is like shortly after you had just been released. Like you don't have time to sit around. <laughs> so I, I don't. Ha I don't. Uh, I don't have time to deal with it at all. And so how the process works is when I'm released from the federal prison, they release you. It doesn't matter if you have a. 10 bedroom mansion waiting for you they release you to transitional housing and in that housing you have two weeks to find a job and so and while you're in housing you have to then ask your job to take responsibility for you so that job has to get contact with the federal officers and say we will you know be responsible this is their schedule if they don't show up we'll notify you etc and so while I was in that position from September to February, I didn't apply for real jobs. I got two jobs waitressing because I just, you know, was not going to be so embarrassed walking to corporate America, you know. So I waited. And so I got released February the 1st. I put in my application. I went through the interview process and got hired with the Omni February the 11th. So I really felt as if I had beat the system. I had come out of this. And there was nothing that could stop me. Um, but somebody Googled my name. Man. Hey, Man. Yeah. So, it, and did, had you already been in contact with Last Prisoner Project at that point? Because, and so I'm going into like, you know, I know you're at Vertosa now. So how has that transition been? 
what kind of led you to, you know, looking for a space like that? And what has your experience been like coming into regulated cannabis? Um, so to answer all of that, I had not been in contact with Last Person of Project yet. So that was February. I got in contact with them, I think, in like June or July. And then um, in October, they invited me out to an event in San Francisco at Big Rock. Um, it was an investors sort of meeting convention, and they asked me to take the stage for 12 minutes and uh, tell my story in hopes of raising some funds for Last Prisoner Project. And this was my only, my second time speaking uh, on their behalf. And so I do that. And in the audience was the CEO and our chief innovation officer of Vertosa was in the audience. And they heard me, and Austin uh, approaches me. He's like, what do you do? We got to get you a job because I told everyone in there that I just got fired, and now I'm a waitress. <laughs> um, and so he, I was like, I do events. I, I don't know that I have a space in the cannabis industry because what I do is catering and sales, um, corporate weddings, all of that. And he goes, we need an events director for our um, expos and conventions. There's so many of them. <laughs> um, and that was in October. And then I was brought on board November. Um, and I don't think, I, I'm not a predictor of the future, but I don't have any intentions of leaving this space. Um, That's I, found my, I feel like I found my home like this. Not only do I feel comfortable, I am fortunate enough to work with a team at Vertosa who is completely supportive of everything that I'm doing for LPP, the struggle, you know, there, there is, I've never worked for a team so supportive. Um, and then I feel the industry owes me something. Yeah. <laughs> You're damn right. <laughs> like, I, you know, I try not to say that, like, you know, anybody owes me, but I feel like an industry that is booming while 40,000 people are still incarcerated for the same plant, that it is their duty and my obligation to collect. And so I'm, you know, I'm just sort of here waiting for my turn to uh, turn this, flip this situation around. Yeah, definitely. And, and have you had, what has your experience been like, you know, in the last few months in the industry now? kind of seeing both sides. I'm sure you saw a lot through LPP and your work there, but now being, you know, much more on the ground, interacting at these events, I'm sure, um, is an experience. I can speak from my own experience um, that I was like, oh, wow, that's a whole <laughs> a lot of people who don't look and act like me. <laughs> um, and so what has that been like? Um, I will say it's been busy these last couple of, uh, I will probably like months, um, just extremely busy. There's so much content that's just getting, you know, out while everyone's at home. This whole virtual world is, is uh, definitely time consuming. Um, but it, I said it in the documentary and the GTI one, it's like, I'm sitting now in our all hands, right? And we're talking about sales in kilos, and, and how many kilos need to be sold and how that, and I'm just like, these are the same kilos that prosecution, you know, uh, used against me and 60, I had, I think, 63 other co-defendants. Mm -hmm. um, and, and to be clear, when I got convicted in 2013, the legal industry was already booming. It, this is not like I was prehistoric, you know, this, right. um, it was already booming. And so that is sometimes... 
um, infuriating, um, <laughs> but also for me, exciting to see that finally uh, we have a climate where people are starting to accept the plant. I've always been a, a lover, like a connoisseur, right? Um, from 1920 when I was in college, really a connoisseur of this plant. And so to see the world embrace it, to see it become essential during the pandemic, um, it's still heartbreaking to know that I have fellow inmates still incarcerated, but also really, really looking forward to see where this takes us. That's amazing. I am really grateful for this opportunity to speak to you because I um, feel very excited about this opportunity to work in this industry because of the same things you're saying, mm -hmm. but I didn't have the personal experience you've had. Um, and so to know that it's real, that it actually reaches people who deserve this opportunity and who deserve what this industry has to offer, I, I will be here forever. I will be behind you, whatever you need. <laughs> um, and it's yeah. definitely uh, one of the spaces. And I've worked, you know, I, I worked at the bank for four years and then, you know, at uh, corporate hospitality. And, and I, I've seen a lot. And this space has the potential to mimic that. But mm -hmm. so appreciative that there's people like you and myself and just so many organizations who are trying our hardest to keep this, like, as organic as possible um, as a wellness. You know, just community is key. That's what Sharonda just said. Community is key. And so we have the opportunity to keep it a strong community. And that's why I say I don't see myself leaving the industry. And um, I get excited. I'm excited to get the work done daily. That's awesome. I love that. Um, so as a connoisseur, and we talked a little bit about this, but you know, you have something coming up that's really exciting um, that you're helping with. You want, I'd love to hear more about that. Yes, there's a few things that are coming up. And so I, I first have to say that as a felon on probation, I'm not allowed to touch the plant, consume the plant or any of that. And so that's really, really heartbreaking. But um, I am still able to promote it. And so coming up, we have, I, there's lots of stuff coming up. But Last Prisoner Project has partnered up with Her Highness and there's three of us, me, my um, Stephanie Shepard, and Natalia Wade. We will all be featured on our own pre-roll. Wow. Part of the proceeds will go to Last Prisoner Project. And so I'm, I'm so excited to be a connoisseur and to see my face on a pre-roll. <laughs> That's amazing. That's, That's amazing. amazing. And so that will... I. Was set to launch this month. I will keep everyone updated. Um, and then I am in the process, in the beginning stages, of launching my own accessory line. Again, because I can't touch the plant. And so it'll be a, a pretty gift set with a grinder, a uh, lighter, uh, rolling, rolling papers, combs, actually. And uh, pre-roll tube, all in rose gold, because that's my favorite. Oh, um, I love that. Yeah, <laughs> Um, and so that I'm hoping to launch in March. I'm still in the process of raising the funds to get it off the ground. Um, but hopefully that will start soon. And for my birthday in March, I'll be able, we'll all be able to order some of those kits. 
I love that. I can't wait. Me neither. <laughs> I realize that that's what I need. I'm always trying to, I have to like hide my papers because I don't want the dog to get them. Then I have to like put this over here and then wait, where'd I put my weed? And so. I see, I see someone with it and someone being someone, someone um, <laughs> in, a, in a Ziploc bag the other day. <laughs> because it's a joint and you can't Right. Yeah. Um, so. <laughs> When I was younger, back, you know, what was this, 2004, where weed was just weed, you bought weed and you smoked it. I was the kid that had, like, the the rolling, I had all the contraptions. <laughs> <laughs> here's all the contraptions. Here's the grinder, here's the, the roller for the papers, roller for the swishers. I have the thing to cut it. Oh, I love that. I'm hoping that there's still people like me who love the contraptions. Yeah, definitely. You could you could build a whole like vintage set. You know what I mean? The one that looks like a playing card, that rolling one. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 So, yes. oh, oh, and also, um, every Thursday is the heart of cannabis. Vertosa has given me, I mean, godsend, uh, the opportunity to build the heart of cannabis on their platform. And so every week I get on there and I discuss what normalizing cannabis consumption is, right? And so um, a lot of us like to smoke, but a lot of people will not even, you know, enter the industry if smoking is their only option. And so I'm always looking for new ways to normalize cannabis, whether it's drinking it, eating it, the creams, you know, whatever it is to, to uh, normalize cannabis. And so every Thursday at 5 p.m. live, um, you'll catch me on the Heart of Cannabis. Awesome. That, and that's on, on that's your on Instagram or on Vertosa's? That's on Vertosa Inc. Um, okay. But if you catch me, so I always get on my own live at about 5.45 and do like a pregame. Uh, where I can get all my nerves out and check my makeup. And then we all head over to <laughs> Vertosa Inc. I love that. That's yeah. awesome. Well, thank you so much for spending time with us and sharing a little bit about your story. I'm, you. I'm so grateful for the opportunity to meet you. And I really hope to work more in the future. I'd love to. Anything you create, we'll put it on blast. Tell everybody we know. Um, and yeah, it, if anybody has questions they wanted to throw out real quick, or if you had anything else you'd like to say. No, I will add, um, yeah, I'll stick around for questions, but I will add that I appreciate the, the work that you're doing and amplifying the, the mission of Last Prisoner Project. Um, there are a lot of programs that are established within this industry to make it a more equitable space. Um, Last Prisoner Project, however, is one of the few that are concerned about those who are still incarcerated. And so um, I just encourage everyone to support um, because we're, it's an unspoken population. I meet so many people. I walked to my first dispensary and they're mind blown that I, um, I see that question. How do I remain so positive? You know, cause I got Jesus. <laughs> that is the answer to that question. Uh, lots of, lots of prayer and peace. Um, but I meet a lot of people who just do not believe that I just got out of prison. And I don't think America knows. I just, I don't think anyone knows that there's still so many people in prison for cannabis. So I appreciate you amplifying that message. 
Thank you. I I am grateful for the opportunity again, humbled, and I think you know that that's where where we got to carve out all the the understanding because it all comes together. Everything we've talked about in our communities over the last few months, and everything happening in the future in this industry as well as our politics, it all comes together. And I think that you're really um, very central to that conversation. And your experience on both sides really needs to be front and center because otherwise, what the hell are we doing this for? Right, right. There's another question. What can us white folk in the industry do to be better allies? This is, I promise, this is a thought I just had before I hopped on here, that it's less about, how can I word this? Just thinking about our system as a whole and where we're at as a country, right? Like, and, and so what I wanted to tell my audience, and I haven't figured out how to do it yet, we'll do it now, was let's stop attacking like racist people and attack the system right because you know poor poor anybody who's named karen but they've got their own names now <laughs> the karens of the world are only able to thrive because of the systems that are put in place um and i i don't think that my judge or prosecution were underlying racist people although i don't know what's in their hearts um but i do know that they work for a system that has been put in place to uh disenfranchise uh myself people who look like me in this industry and in so many other industries and so uh if we're looking for a place to help last person project is 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 one of those places but um just also we all now 2020 has afforded us uh, where we are a platform and so if we're just sharing if we're just getting the message out if, if we I, I think that there's so much that not just us white folks us black folks that we could all do to just amplify the message of um, freedom the message of systematic racism because that's what it is it's a system that that allowed me to go to prison. I don't think it was one or two people. It was definitely the system. And so we fight the system. However, however we can find a way to do that. Voting is one. Let's vote, guys. <laughs> That's a, I, I noticed when you were talking about your experience, you said the system convicted you. And I think that's so powerful because you're right. We, we, I think as a community, because of the way media is, we hyper-focus on individual stories. And any of us connected to marginalized groups, we know that the people who make it onto the TV, the people who make it onto the signs, et cetera, they are the special case. Mm -hmm. And that is really heartbreaking because the rest of us then, we still have to fight individually while right. also, you know, still having to be here in right. the system. Right. We can see it. Right, exactly. And you're right. And I think that is the disconnect is many people don't see the system. No. And so it, it, this, the, everything the last nine months, 10 months has laid it bare mm -hmm. that you can't deny it. Mm -hmm. And then if we focus on the system and they still deny it, we have a word for them. <laughs> <laughs> well, then we got a big, and we, you know, we've got many, many issues if anybody watched that debate. But um, the, the system op operates in a way that no one sees it like i'm not allowed to travel 45 minutes uh east without getting permission two weeks prior like Damn. that's a system you know right. that is uh recently my daughter's in los angeles for the summer and i needed to get like there was an emergency and i needed to get there 
and I couldn't because I couldn't reach my probation officer. And so like there's just these systems that are, are put in place that are set up for failure because who wouldn't get to their daughter that was in the middle of an emergency? Who who wouldn't right. risk a violation for that? Um, right. So yeah, right. we fight the system. However, Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Evelyn. Thank you. You have a good day. Thank you too. Thanks for joining us, everybody. And Bye. you can keep up with us um, on Blackbird Go, and we will be posting a little summary and every link that you could imagine to all the stories that we were talking about through GTI. Um, and again, you can buy this merch, Money Goes to Last Prisoner Project. Products from GTI companies also goes to GTI products. And we will let you know when we find out about Her Highness. And of course, when um, the accessories come out, we'll do a whole blog about them. Yes, thank you. <laughs> Bye. Bye.